Turn with me to Judges 13. Judges 13 in the Old Testament, if you're using one of the Bibles in the racks in front of you, it's page 201. A lady named Shirley Ratcliffe tells the story of taking a parenting class at her church and then trying to explain that to her six-year-old daughter. Uh, So she said to her daughter that, I'm taking this class to help me be a better mommy. A little later that week, uh, there was something that the little girl did not get her way, and she blurted out, Mommy, you said you were taking this class to be a better mommy. It's not working. (laughs) So many times as parents, we come to the conclusion that something isn't working. But maybe that should force us to ask what I hope is the right question. What is the goal of a Christian parent? Is the goal of a Christian parent, A, raising godly kids, or B, being a godly parent? Is the goal results in our children, or is the goal of Christian parenting that we would be growing in godliness as a parent? We look at the story of Samson today, specifically his parents. uh, You may have heard of uh, Samson as the supernaturally strong man that he was, but we may not know a lot about his parents. His parents... um, are actually a bright spot spiritually in the time of the Judges, which is a dark season in the life of Israel. This is about 1100 B.C. Samson used, was used by God to bring amazing victory to the nation of Israel over their perennial enemies to the west, the Philistines. But Samson really ends up with kind of a spiritually mixed review of his life. So if we were to evaluate his parents based on results in Samson, you'd, I don't know, would you give him a C minus or a D even because of some of Samson's, Samson's antics? Or could it be that God would say to Manoah and his wife, Samson's parents, well done. Verse 1, Again the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, So the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. This had been kind of a continuous uh, cycle in the the time of the judges that Israel, because of lack of spiritual leadership, went into a, a, a spiritual tailspin and God would allow the discipline of the surrounding nations uh, defeating them until things got so desperate, and this is how we are so often, so desperate that they ended up uh, crying out to God. And because they cried out to God, God being a gracious God, responded. He responded usually by sending a particular person to be a judge or leader that would then uh, be empowered to conquer whatever enemies they were facing. So that had happened again, and this is God's answer. It's the birth of Samson. Verse 2. 
A certain man of Zorah named Manoah from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was barren and remained childless. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, You are barren and childless, but you are going to conceive and have a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink, and that you do not eat anything unclean. Because you will conceive and give birth to a son. No razor may be used on his head because the boy is to be a Nazarite set apart to God from birth. Or you may have the word womb, which is probably more accurate. And he will begin the deliverance of Israel from the hands of the Philistines. We're going to look at a number of principles of what a godly parent really is. The first trait we're going to see is that a godly parent is obedient and sacrificial. Obedient and sacrificial. So it's the angel of the Lord who appears, not to the couple, but just to Samson's mom, Manoah's wife, she is called. Uh, her name is never given. It kind of reminds us that being a, a godly mom doesn't get you a lot of glory sometimes, right? But she is the main character, really, I think, of this, of this chapter. The angel of the Lord appears to her, uh, the angel of the Lord probably means God himself appearing in human form. And that might seem kind of remarkable. But when the angel of the Lord appears throughout the Old Testament, in, in most of the uh, stories, narratives, the angel of the Lord equals the Lord, and they're used interchangeably. Uh, the story of uh, Hagar... The angel of the Lord appeared to Hagar, Genesis 16. The angel of the Lord appeared to Abraham in Genesis 18 and 22. The angel of the Lord appeared to Moses, Exodus 3, and appeared to Gideon, Judges 6. And so repeatedly, what the angel of the Lord said, somewhere in the same context, it says that God said, or the Lord said. It's also observed that in several cases, the angel of the Lord receives worship. Whereas in Revelation, an actual angel says, don't worship me, right? So it seems to be that this is God himself. The term the angel of the Lord does not appear in the New Testament. Suddenly that ceases. So it is most likely that the appearance of the angel of the Lord is actually Jesus Christ in a pre-incarnate, pre-Christmas form. So this is... Remarkable to think of this as as Jesus before uh, the the incarnation. She was childless, um, so this was going to be a miraculous birth. Some of the godliest moms of the old of the Old Testament scripture were unable to bear children initially, and then uh, through God working in their time of of infertility, uh, He does this miracle, and Sarah has Isaac, Rebecca has Jacob and Esau, Rachel has Joseph and Benjamin, Hannah has Samuel, as we referred to earlier, and Elizabeth bears John the Baptist. God specializes in the impossible. Manoah's wife received some rather unusual instructions to us, but it was something known by the Jews that it was a to be a Nazarite. Uh, Numbers, 20, uh, Numbers chapter 6 points out that a Nazarite is a person who in some sense will have a special calling of God upon their life for their entire 
life, a total dedication of their life to one single task or purpose. And part of the rule of the Nazarite then was that they would have these characteristics that the angel was asking actually of, of Samson's mom. The Nazarite vow was to abstain from any, any fruit drink or fermented drink, any, uh, have any contact with a dead body, and never to cut their hair. That's why usually you see a uh, Sunday school picture of Samson. He has very, very long hair, did not cut his hair. Samson is a Nazarite. Samuel was also a Nazarite. In the New Testament, John the Baptist was a Nazarite. And these were lifelong Nazarite vows, but they also, there also evidently was a temporary kind of Nazarite vow, which Paul took in the later parts of the book of Acts. But it says here that if Samson is going to be a Nazarite, the angel of the Lord says, you, mom, also have certain limitations, at least during pregnancy. Uh, so she could not drink anything of the fruit of the vine, and she could not touch any unclean thing. Samson is going to be an unusual and miraculous deliverer for Israel. And so we, we see the miraculous birth. But I'd like to suggest to you there is a miracle taking place here in previous years that is not specifically stated. And that is the miracle that there is a couple, a man and a wife, who are spiritually prepared to do what God is asking them to do. This is a time of great spiritual decadence and a time of spiritual spiral downward. And yet God was preparing Manoah and his wife to have this special role because God knew that they would be obedient and sacrificial. And I think it's the first issue we should be asking ourselves as parents, whether we are anticipating being parents, we are parents, or we have parents of adult children, whatever it might be, is do I have a heart of full obedience and sacrifice? What was Samson's mom to do? It's what she shouldn't do. Nothing fermented, no other unclean food or otherwise. That left her with just water or goat's milk probably. So nothing of, of, of flavor or refreshment, there would be a sacrifice. And, a, and a, having the, the avoidance basically like a, like a priest would have. Parenting is always sacrificial, and I know you get that, because when that first baby comes into your life, suddenly everything changes, and you, you give up a lot of things, a lot of freedoms, and, and they, are the, they are going to be on your minds the rest of your life. There's always sacrifice in parenting. This was a particular one, though, because there was a spiritual focus to their sacrifice. So it's not just that they are a parent, but they are seeking to be godly parents. There's sacrifice in that. The fact that you're here this morning suggests that you are making sacrifices for spiritual priorities. You could be sitting at Smith Brothers or Java Dock right now. You know that? Better coffee than we have here at church, I bet. You could be uh, sleeping, looking at Facebook. Not that those have never been done in this room. <laughs> but you will make sacrifices in addition to taking kids to soccer and everywhere else. You will be bringing them to youth group. and Why? Because you have 
a spiritual priority in your life that you want to see accomplished. It's a sacrifice if you were here the hour before to come to an adult Bible fellowship or if you're in another Bible study. In fact, you might have people actually say, you go to church every week, yeah? Do you go to church like two hours? Am I, do I get that right? Well, kind of. not trying to impress anybody. This is just my life. God is preparing us always to be used by him. And Manoah and his wife were those people. That, to me, is another miracle. Verse 6, Then the woman went to her husband, remember she was by herself, and told him, A man of God came to me. He looked like an angel of God. Very awesome. I didn't ask him where he came from, and he didn't tell me his name. But he said to me, You will conceive, give birth to a son. Now then drink no wine or other fermented drink. Do not eat anything unclean, because the boy will be a Nazarite of God from birth until the day of his death. So she goes and reports to him. Look at what Manoah says. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord, O Lord, I beg you, let the man of God you sent to us come again to teach us how to bring up the boy who is to be born. Did you notice that God did not ask them if they wanted to do this? Didn't make a suggestion to Mrs. Manoah. And, and, and when she reported it to her husband, he doesn't say, honey, you saw what? Are you sure? And he doesn't say, I'm not sure if I want to sign up for this. Because, again, God has prepared both of them to be people who will respond to him. Godly parenting is, first of all, about being a godly parent. It's not, about, it's not about seven steps. It's not about doing these things. It's a recipe, and this is what comes out. Godly parenting is, first of all, about being a godly parent. Obviously, we care. God cares about the outcome as well. But our focus is on being the godly parent. One of the most important parenting verses, I think, of the Old Testament puts it in proper perspective, I'm convinced, when it says this in Deuteronomy 6, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. What's it saying? Number one, this is the, this is the godly life. Love God, God wholeheartedly, and if you love him wholeheartedly, you'll obey him completely. That's the simple version. That's when it says, the next verse, impress them, that is these commandments I give you, upon your children. So if they're on your hearts, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Daily family life. The things that you love should be communicated to them that that's what we should love. The things that you do are communicated that is what God wants us to do. Verse 7 is powerless, though, without verses 5 and 6. Did you ever listen to that announcement when you get on the airplane? It says about those oxygen masks. What, what do you do first? Put your own on, right? Because only if you put on your own mask in that emergency will you be able to help your children. 
And so first of all, it's my obedience to God. Then it's teaching my child about obeying God. And any impact we have will depend upon whether we are loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. So I think we need to ask ourselves the significant question, what do I love? What do I love? John wrote, don't love the things of the world or the things in the world, because if you do, the love of the Father is not in them. So there are going to be a lot of choices where our life is narrowed wonderfully around our love for God. First priority. It didn't say in those verses to bring your child to Sunday school. Of course, they didn't have Sunday school then. But you see, the, the community of faith that we've just celebrated even this morning with child dedication is, is no replacement for the family. The community, the one another's that we've been talking about in our, in our series, are a reinforcement of that which we as a family or individual believe. And so you can go to a Sunday school class and they can, a child can learn what the Bible says about obeying God, but it's you as a parent who will show them what obedience is. And they see right down to our motives. It's caught more than taught. So Manoah says, please teach us, Lord, how to bring up the boy who is to be born. Godly parents are obedient and sacrificial. What we see in Manoah is that godly parents are humble and teachable. Humble and teachable. He's all in. He's ready to obey. He's simply asking for wisdom. He doesn't question God, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to. But I'm going to need your wisdom. I I can imagine that prayer hitting heaven and God thinking, now that's what I like to hear. Because they aren't having these thoughts of, I don't know if I want to do this or not. I know God wants me to do this, but I don't think I really need to. And I don't do you know how we sometimes reason almost in prayer? But that's not what he had. He had a humble, teachable heart and says, God, just teach us how we're supposed to raise this child. I think one of the worst parenting mistakes we can make is to pretend that we don't make parenting mistakes. Where we are not humble and teachable about the process and the thousands of decisions to assume that we know what's right and there's this, there's this pride that saturates our parenting sometimes. Sometimes it's kind of like a competition, you know, what, 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 what my wife thinks and my husband thinks and, you know, who's right. And, and then even if we're kind of proven wrong and we have to still defend, well, I still think it was the right thing to, you know, that pride does humble, teachable. I think one of the things that, that Priscilla and I learned through the years uh, that our kids were at home, that one size doesn't always fit all situations. I had some of those ideas, I think, and, and then a child comes through different stages, and then the different nature of children in different stages, different birth order, different situation, different friends, and it becomes like overwhelmingly complex to know what does God really want us to do. Is it okay to struggle to know that? Yeah, 
Because then we're going to pray this prayer, teach us how to bring up this boy. And we're going to find ourselves dependent, and, and it's okay. The more desperate we are, the more we pray sometimes. So Samson had the privilege of a mom and a dad who were on the same page spiritually. Teachable parents will be united in their spiritual priorities, and then they can work out the details. When you're united on the priority of being godly parents, if the goal is simply, I think this will work, I think this will work, you can all think of arguments, right? But are our priorities as a parent, what is God teaching us? I think that's one of the most profound things we ever had to learn was instead of thinking what can we do to make this happen in our child's life, was when we, when, when we I think, ex- experienced this principle, what is God doing in us? Maybe we need to focus on that. What work is he doing in me? And that can then bring marital harmony. Marriage issues are always parenting issues. Parenting issues are marriage, marriage issues in a, in, a, in a family like that. If spiritual unity is not possible for you right now, be encouraged that God can use you on your own. Eunice, the mother of Timothy, 2 Timothy 2, verse uh, 5, 